Okay, guys. Um, I just want to share with you an article that I came across that I thought might be helpful. And I know a lot of people are going through challenging and and new times. And I don't know. I thought this could maybe help. This article is called "That Discomfort You're Feeling Is Grief." It's by a guy named Scott Bernardino from the Harvard Business Review. Okay, so this this article came out last week. Here we go. Some of the Harvard Business Review edit staff met virtually the other day. A screen full of faces and a scene becoming more common everywhere. We talked about the content we're commissioning in this harrowing time of a pandemic and how we can help people. But we also talked about how we were feeling. One colleague mentioned that what she felt was grief. Heads nodded in all the pains. Everyone, everyone understood. In all the little Zoom windows or whatever. If we can name it, perhaps we can manage it. We turned to David Kessler for ideas on how to do that. Kessler is the world's foremost expert on grief. He co-wrote with Elizabeth Kubler-Ross on grief and grieving, finding the meaning of grief through the five stages of loss. His new book adds another stage to the process, finding meaning, the sixth stage of of grief. The sixth stage of grief. It's a tongue twister. Kessler also has worked for a decade in a three-hospital system in Los Angeles. He served on the biohazard team. His volunteer work includes being an LAPD specialist reserved for traumatic events, as well as having served on the Red Cross's disaster team. He's the founder of Grief.com, which has over 5 million visits yearly from 167 countries. Okay, so there's his resume. Kessler shared his thoughts on why it's important to acknowledge the grief you may be feeling, how to manage it, and how he believes we will find meaning in it. The conversation is lightly edited for clarity. Okay, so this is one of these ones where it's, if you're just listening to the audio, there's bolded, that's the interview question, and then the unbolded is the response. I'll just clarify as I go. So Harvard Business Review interviewer asks, people are feeling any number of things right now. Is it right to call some of what they're feeling grief? Kessler says, Yes, and we're feeling a number of different griefs. Yes, the world has changed, and it has, oh, sorry, we feel the world has changed, and it has. We know this is temporary, but it doesn't feel that way, and we realize things will be different. Just as going to the airport is forever different from how it was before 9-11, things will change, and this is the point at which they changed. The loss of normalcy the fear of economic toil, the loss of connection. This is hitting us and we're grieving. Collectively, we're not used to this kind of collective grief in the air. Well said. So then they ask him the next question. You said you're feeling more than one kind of grief? Back to Kessler. Yes. We're also feeling anticipatory grief, right? Grief of what's coming, what we're anticipating certain negativities. Anticipatory grief is that feeling we get about what the future holds when we're uncertain. Usually it centers on death. When we feel it, when someone gets a dire diagnosis or when we have a normal thought that we'll maybe lose our parents someday. Anticipatory grief is also more broad, also more broadly imagined futures. Anticipatory grief is also more broadly imagined futures. Sorry, I don't know why that threw me off. There's a storm coming. 
There's something bad out there. With a virus, this kind of grief is so confusing for people. Our primitive mind knows that something bad is happening, but you can't see it. This breaks our sense of safety. We're feeling that loss of safety. I don't think we... I don't think... We've collectively lost our sense of general safety like this. So he's saying like, maybe this is, we've never really had this type of threat. Quite literally a micro, uh, microbiological threat. Individually or as small groups, people have felt this, but all together, this is new. We're grieving on a micro and a macro level, on a small and a big level. So, so then they asked the next question, quick little coffee sip. Sorry if you can hear this. Morning coffee with Mike. Let's do this. What can individuals do to manage all this grief? That's the next question they ask him. So here's his response. Understanding the stages of grief is a start. But whenever I talk about the stages of grief, I have to remind people that the stages aren't linear. It may not happen in this order. Right, so you've you've heard of Kubler Ross before in movies or something, and they talk about these stages of grief. And first, first, when people are dying, first there's denial, and then there's like anger and acceptance. I forget the order or whatever. What he's saying is that all those things are accurate reflections of what it's like, but it's not always linear. It's not like what that means is linear means it's not all in a line. It's not necessarily this leads to this leads to this leads to this A, B, C, D, E, F, G. It's scrambled. It's non-linear. Sorry to say that like that into the mic. I don't know if that sounded cool or annoying. Okay. Um, I have to remind people stages aren't linear and may not happen in this order. It's not a map, but it provides some scaffolding for the unknown world. Great sentence. See, there's some tongue twisters in, the, in here, but that's a great sentence. It's not a map, but it provides some scaffolding for this unknown world. There's denial. Sorry, you can hear my daughter's following along with PJ Mask over there. So I hope the mic's not catching her, but, you know, we're all doing our best. Uh, there's denial. Okay. It's not a map, but it provides some scaffolding for this unknown world. There's denial, which we say a lot of early on this this idea of this isn't going to affect me. This virus isn't going to affect me. There's anger. You're making me stay at home and taking me away from my activities. You, know, you see that in my daughter, hardcore right now. She's, she's the most cabin fever of all of us. And she's like now at the point of asking questions like, why can't you go see your cousins? She's not sick. They're not sick. Why can't this doesn't make sense. It seems fake. I'm not saying I'm saying in her mind, right? It, she doesn't see it. That's what this guy was saying a little bit ago. I'm not saying it's fake. I'm saying in her mind, she doesn't see it. There's bargaining. Okay, so if I keep keep distance for two weeks, everything will be better, right? There's sadness. I don't know when this will end. And finally, there's acceptance. This is happening. I have to figure out how to proceed. Acceptance as you might imagine, is where the power lies. We find control and acceptance. I can wash my hands. I can keep a safe distance. I can learn how to work virtually. Next question. When we're feeling grief, there's that physical pain and the racing mind. Are there techniques to deal with that too? 
uh, to, to make it less intense? Is there ways to deal with that techniques to make it less intense? His response. Let's go back to anticipatory grief. Unhealthy anticipatory grief. You okay, Ev? Okay, she's all good. Sorry about that, guys. Again, I don't know if I can edit this, but I should edit that out. But anyways, we're, that's how life is right now. And that's kind of what this article is about. It's like I'm trying to record this live one-shot recording. And I don't know if in Screencastify, I got to figure out there's got to be a way to pause. But I'm trying to one-shot this. But I'm also trying to take care of my kid. So, you know, that's what the world is right now. So, anyways, back to his response. So the question was, uh, what was the question? Sorry. The question was, oh yeah, is there techniques that we can use to make this less intense? He says, let's go back to this idea of anticipatory grief. Unhealthy anticipatory grief is really anxiety. And that's the feeling you're talking about. Our mind begins to show us images. My parents getting sick. We see the worst case scenarios. That's our mind being protective. Our goal is not to ignore those images or to try to make them go away. Your mind won't let you do that. And it will be painful for you to try to force it. The goal is to try to find balance in the way that you are thinking. If you feel the worst image taking shape, make yourself think the best image. We're all getting a little sick and the world continues. Not everyone I love dies. Maybe no one does because we're all taking the right steps. Neither scenario should be ignored, but neither should dominate. I love that. You shouldn't go into the darkness completely. You know, you got to have a foot on foot in both sides. It's not sunshine and roses all the time, but it's also not rain clouds all the time. And, and that, one or the, I'm all adding this. This isn't in the article. Add and all that. Right, you guys have heard me talk when we we're talking about outer space and stuff. You've heard me talk about the Goldilocks principle. You know that planet that's just right for all the life-giving elements. It's like, man, mental health is almost like that too. I don't even know what I mean by that, but just that balance is so centralized. Anticipatory grief is the mind going to the future and imagining the worst. To calm yourself, you want to come into the present. This will be familiar advice to anyone who's meditated or practiced mindfulness, but people are always surprised at how prosaic this can be. How, well, obviously the word prosaic and the drug Prozac is named after that. Prosaic means calming, peace bringing, I guess. You can name five things in the room. There's a computer, a chair, a picture of a dog, an old rug, a coffee mug. I think actually I have all those things, even though that's in this. Yeah, I got my, my old dog Sky's picture over there. It's that simple. Breathe. Realize that in the present moment, nothing you've anticipated has happened. In this moment, you're okay. You have food. You're not sick. You use your senses and think about what they feel. The desk is hard. The blanket's soft. I can feel the breath, the breath coming into my nose. This really will work to dampen some of the pain. You can also think about how to let go of what you can't control. That's a big one. 
What your neighbor's doing is out of your control. What's in control is staying six feet away from them and washing your hands. Focus on that. Sorry. Again, I would edit out Evie's comments on PJ Mask, but hopefully you can't hear that. Finally, it's a good time to stock up on compassion. Everyone will have different levels of fear and grief, and it manifests in different ways. A coworker got very snippy with me the other day, and I thought, that's not like this person. That's how they're dealing with this. I'm seeing their fear and anxiety. Again, I'm reading this. It's not one of my coworkers. I love you to bashes. So be patient. Think about who someone usually is and not about who they seem to be in this moment. That includes your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your husband, your wife, your kid. So then they ask the next. One particularly troubling aspect of this pandemic is the open-endedness of it. Can I get a cheers to that? I think we all experience that, eh? Like, it's like if we all knew this was going to end next Thursday, it wouldn't be as big a deal. The un unknowing, open-endedness, the word they use. Okay, so his response, this is a temporary state. It helps to say it. This is a temporary state. I worked for 10 years in the hospital system. I've been trained for situations like this. I've studied the 1918 flu pandemic. The precautions we're taking are the right ones. I don't know why that choked me up a bit. History tells us that. This is survivable. Okay? We will survive. This is a time to overprotect, but not overreact. That should be the bumper sticker. This is a time to overprotect, but not overreact. Not overreact. It's weird reading things like this because I'm, I'm reading it to the mic, but I'm, I know I'm reading it to you guys. Ah, quick coffee composure break. Okay. And I believe we'll find meaning in it. Again, this is this the author speak or the person being interviewed speaking Kessler. I've been honored that Elizabeth Kubler-Roff's family has given me the permission to add a sixth stage to grief. Meaning. I had talked to Elizabeth quite a bit about it. Uh, I had talked to Elizabeth quite a bit about what came after acceptance. I did not want to stop at acceptance when I experienced some personal grief. I wanted meaning in those darkest hours. And I do believe we find light in those times. Even now, people are realizing they can connect with technology. They're not as remote as they thought. They're realizing you can use your phones for long conversations. They're appreciating walks. I believe we'll continue to find meaning now and when this is over. Okay, so their question says, okay, well, what well, doesn't say, okay, well, this is the question. What do you say to someone who's read all this and is still feeling overwhelmed with grief? 
another way of saying that is what do you say to someone that's listened to all this and is basically saying, so what? <clears throat> Sorry. Kessler's response. Keep trying. You know, and, and that's so simple. It's like at a certain point, you have to just stay in the game. Keep your stick on the ice. Okay, keep trying. There's something powerful about naming it as grief. It helps us feel what's inside of us. So many have told me in the past week, I'm telling my coworkers I'm having a hard time or I cried last night. coffee break yeah i'm getting all choked up not even about my own life it's like when i'm reading this i'm just thinking of things you guys have emailed me about listen to this when you name it you feel it This uh, general idea of general idea of externalizing pain and emotion is so key. Okay, when you name it, you feel it, and it moves through you. Emotions need motion. It's important we acknowledge what we go through. One unfortunate byproduct of the self help movement is that we're the first generation to have feelings about our feelings. We tell ourselves things like, "I feel sad," but I shouldn't feel that. Other people have it worse. We can, we should stop at the first feeling. I feel sad. Let me go for five minutes to feel sad. Your work is to feel your sadness and feel and fear and anger, whether or not someone else is feeling something. No, wait, let me start that again. Your work is to feel your sadness and fear and anger, whether or not someone else is feeling something. Fighting it doesn't help because your body is producing the feeling. If we allow the feeling to happen, they'll happen in an orderly way and it empowers us. Then we're not victims. The interviewer asks, in an orderly way? Like, what does he mean? Yes. Sometimes we try not to feel what we're feeling because we have this image of a gang of feelings. It's like these feelings coming to get us. I feel sad. If I feel sad and let that in, it'll never go away. That gang of bad feelings will overrun me. The truth is that feelings move through us. We feel it and it goes and then we go on to the next feeling. There's no gang out to get us. It's absurd to think we shouldn't feel grief right now. Let yourself feel grief and keep going.